Hello, and welcome to Radical Candor, a podcast from Panoply and Gretchen Rubin's Onward Project about how not to hate the boss you have or be the boss you hate. I'm Russ Laraway, co-founder of Candor, Inc., and career-long operational manager across the Marines, Google, and Twitter. And I'm Kim Scott, also co-founder of Candor, Inc., former executive at Google and Apple, and former CEO coach, and last but not least, author of Radical Candor. Yeah, and Kim... For today's episode, we're talking about this idea that sometimes in business, you get so caught up in achieving results, which of course, that's why we're all there, right? But you get so caught up in trying to achieve results that you forget about the fact that the people you're achieving these results with, they're real people. Actual humans. Actual humans that you're working with. One of the things that Josh Reeves, the co-founder and CEO of Gusto, says is that people are not resources. <laughs> they're people. They're humans. And he objects to the term human resources. And I love that about Josh. And I think that's the spirit of our show, a little more human, a little less resources. And so I think maybe where the start of this, where sometimes this goes a little bit wrong, is that people are trying to show up to work and they're trying to be professional. Right. Yes. Right. They're showing up to work and it's this maybe antiseptic, not entirely themselves, but version of themselves. And really, I think the big problem there is that when we're trying to be professional, we'll often leave the best part of ourselves, our humanity at home. And beyond that, the spirit of this episode is not just a manager to direct report type of feedback. Right. Yeah. This stuff applies 360. With your peers. Yeah. These are all really critical relationships in the workplace, and we all are dependent upon each other to get something done to achieve some results. And so really today, the spirit of this episode is talking about all of these relationships and looking at each other as real human beings, real people uh, with which we're trying to achieve these results. Even really empathetic people make this mistake. Even people I know who are really good people, sometimes treat their bosses like tyrants to be toppled. They sometimes treat their peers like enemy combatants. And they sometimes treat their employees like pawns on a chessboard. And it's not because these are evil people who don't care about other humans. It's because they get so focused on the results that they forget that they're working with other human beings just like them. Yeah, it's one of the things we say, we say a lot, especially in our workshops, that So many times, it's not that you're actually failing to care personally or failing to think of these people as human beings. It's that you're failing to demonstrate it. That's easy because how you show up, how you demonstrate something to someone, there's a complicated set of variables between the two of you. Right? Maybe you're fresh off a win. They're fresh off a loss. Maybe you slept only four hours. They slept eight hours. <laughs> Tonight, last <laughs> night, for example, I slept about three. <laughs> and so all of these things come together and they make it really difficult sometimes for you just to demonstrate that you know the person sitting across from you is a real human being. And so today, what we want to talk about in this episode is how to remember to see the people you work with as people. It sounds weird to think. I remember one time at Google, somebody said, what do I need to do to be successful here? And I said, you need to show up at work like a human being. And then I felt sort of stupid for having said that because what else are they supposed to show up, like a chipmunk or something? But but 10 years later, this guy said it was one of the most helpful things that was ever said to him. 
So in other words, as James Taylor would say, you got to shower the people you love with love. Show them the way that you feel. Things are going to be much better if you only wheel. <laughs> <laughs> I, like, I like how he rhymed wheel <laughs> with feel. That was amazing. It's good. It's a good rhyme. So in today's episode, we're going to talk about three things. We're going to talk about some stories about managers who succeeded at seeing the people they work with as people. We'll answer a listener question about the potential ramifications of investing in people and explain why you should invest anyway. And we'll also finish, as always, with a candor checklist, some specific tips that you can put into practice right away, whether you're a manager or not. So excited for this one. Here we go. We are so excited to have Al Guido with us today as our guest. Al is the president of the 49ers football team. Amazing. Yeah. And for full disclosure, I should mention that we're also cousins. And though Al is the president of the San Francisco 49ers, we grew up on Richmond Drive in Turnersville, New Jersey, pulling for the Philadelphia Eagles. And that's a big deal. He's all 49ers now, but I think it's important for people to know he grew up supporting the Eagles. Al, it is a real treat to have you on the show today. Well, thank you very much, Kim and Russ, for the introduction. It's a pleasure to be with you today. Now, Al, I know you have a story that really demonstrates the power of caring for people. And uh, this happened in the past, really, before you got to the 49ers. I would say when I started to work for the Dallas Cowboys, I really started to understand culture and the power of it. And I worked for a guy by the name of Stephen Jones, who's Jerry Jones's son. And we had had a large organization. We were trying to open up the Dallas Cowboys Stadium. We had roughly 80 sales and marketing people there. And as you can imagine, um, you know, age ranges anywhere from you know young to you know, mid 20s to mid 40s. And Stephen came through the office one day and was so embarrassed that he didn't know the people's names um, that he asked me for a Facebook. He actually called it a book of faces at the time. <laughs> and I didn't, I didn't really know what he was asking or why he was asking for it at, you know, when, he, when he first reached out. So I gave it to him, and I gave him a little bit of bio and a background on every single person. And two weeks later, now here's the leader of the Dallas Cowboys, the guy in charge for all the business operations, in charge for the draft and the coaches, in charge of the brand-new stadium, which was going to be the world's largest venue to ever be built. And two weeks later, he came back and he had memorized over half of the individuals that were there, their names, where they were from, uh, their previous job. And to him, it was all about the people. It didn't matter about the star or what we were setting out to do. It was the people that had come on board to do that project. And that was one of the most powerful moments I had ever had in my life to understand just the importance of uh, you know, understanding your people and, and really being at the core of those who affect change in your organization on a daily basis. That's outstanding. Um, so in the middle of opening this massive stadium, uh, the guy running the show is entirely focused on getting to know his people. He, he was, and we've hired a bunch of people throughout my time, whether it be you know, sales trainers or culture leaders or management people. And uh, one quote always sticks out in my mind around, uh, you know, leadership is not about being in charge. It's about taking care of those in your charge. And everybody I've worked for, and it's hard to kind of pick a, a great boss because everybody I've worked for has really had my best interest at heart. And not just at the team, but on a personal level. And I feel like, 
you know, some of these moments throughout my career were touching in the sense of these are powerful, powerful people that are in charge of some of the world's largest brands. And yet the most important things to them are who's working for the team, what motivates them, what challenges them, uh, what they're afraid of. And these were, I mean, just uh, I'm proud to say that I've been able to work for two really great organizations in the NFL. That's incredible. And, and I have to say, I really love that quote. I mean, one of the things we say all the time that in thinking about becoming a manager, you shouldn't so much want to be the boss as really want to do the things that a boss needs to do. And this idea of you know, leadership is not about being in charge, about taking care of, of those in your charge really resonates with us. Um, and I think it really puts things into perspective. It's not about the being in power. It's about using your power to help others. Al, I so wish we had had this conversation before I wrote the book. I love your stories. It's all, You're exactly right. It's all about putting people first, putting people at the center of what you do, putting your relationships at the very core of your responsibilities. For me, I've been lucky enough where I've been hired and people have always had my best interest at heart. You know, not necessarily, they didn't put... They never put the team or the organization before my best interest because they. I think they always felt as as if if they were serving my best interest, I would be serving the team. And when that time frame came, that maybe there wasn't an opportunity for me at those organizations, they were going to make sure they pushed to improve my career. And it's always been a, a philosophy of mine to do that. And I always believe that these are conversations that people should have and that people you know shy away from and. And at some level in, in the football world, while we're such this big brand, we're really a small business. I mean, there's only 400 or so people that work here full time. Obviously, if you count the full, the part time people, we grow to four or 5,000. But you know, there's only so much upward movement um, within an organization at times. And I think it's our job to have those conversations around goal setting and making sure that people feel as though they're being pushed at their current opportunity. And when that current opportunity either isn't good enough for them or they feel like they've achieved their results or there's an opening maybe in another team, it's my job to make sure I'm pushing for those people to get those opportunities. Because I've always viewed it as not only is it helping that individual, it's helping the 49ers. I, I want to be known and the organization wants to be known as a leading brand in the sports world. And to do that, it means having people say, wow, the 49ers have fantastic people and fantastic culture. Look at all the people that currently work there and that used to work there. And so I'm proud of that tree. In sports, they call it the coaching tree. Here, they call it the executive tree. I'm very proud to say that these people started here and now now have gone on to use that philosophy at other teams. Al, that is true wisdom. Thank you so much. I totally agree with what you said. It's so important not just to set goals and objectives for the business, but to understand life goals of each of the people who work with you and to help them achieve those goals, to take a step in the direction of their dreams. I think when you really understand your employees at the deepest level and you understand why they took the job and what motivates them, what gives their work meaning for them, what gives their work purpose, what their fears are, you're going to set them up to succeed. You're going to put them in the best possible situation. Absolutely. So really, really investing to understand what makes the people on your team tick. What do they really care about? What do they value in their work? What, what, what are the things that matter to them the most so you can be a force for good in helping them shape a career, shape their role, 
you know, find that next step, all of these things, you can help make sure those things are aligned with what they really care about and aligned with what makes them tick. You can't possibly fulfill your responsibilities as a leader to build a great team, create a culture of feedback, to achieve great results, unless relationships are at the core, unless you're truly a mentor to each of the people who work directly for you. And on that note, what I would say is um, one of the things that I think I challenge all my managers and leaders to do, and it was sort of faux pas in the very beginning, I would say, of course, culture and leadership management, which is not to necessarily kind of sort of separate the work-life balance thing. And I immediately challenged myself years ago to some of my first interactions with people to force myself. And I'm known as the question person. If I go to dinner with you, I may ask 100 questions but really to force myself within my first lunch with employees to literally not ask a work question. And you'd be surprised how difficult that is for some people. And there are certain people that don't want to share aspects of their life, and that's fine. But to me, it's always amazing to kind of understand at the core of what motivates people and why they might have accepted an opportunity. And so you can't really do that, in my opinion, without getting to the core of someone's personal beliefs or you know, their will to succeed and all those things. Al, thank you so much for being here. This is one of the best conversations I've had all year. Yeah. Thanks, man. Go birds. All right. You got it. Take care, everyone. <laughs> yeah. Take care. Bye-bye. Coming up, we answer a common question about investing in your people after a word from our sponsor. So when we were talking with Al before the break, he mentioned the idea of helping people take a step in the direction of their dreams, grow towards their goals beyond what they're doing in the company. We love this idea. It's so important to put your people first. But sometimes the reason people don't do this is because they're worried that they'd be like misusing company resources if they invest in someone who they know has intentions to leave the company. That's the idea. They think that they need to think about the resources instead of about the humans. Yeah, right? it's really a common question and, and one that's worth talking about. In fact, we often get this question. Is it a moral hazard to invest in somebody who has admitted that they want to work outside the company? There's a simple answer to that question. No. <laughs> but let's talk about why. Yeah, maybe we should talk about it a little bit. <laughs> First of all, it's not a bad question. It's an important question to ask because I think often people feel that they're not allowed to put their team members first. They have to put shareholder value first. And and I think that I'm not knocking shareholder value, but I think the best way to achieve that value is to put your people first, actually. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure that's the case, too. And, you know, just taking one quick step back, the context for this is we're trying to have real conversations with people. We want to understand their real dreams. Now, if you want to get someone to come into your office and tell you that they want your job and that's their dream in the world, have at it. But I'm going to go out on a limb and say that nine times out of 10, they're telling you a little bit of a lie. And sometimes some managers just want people to come in their office and tell them they want to be their underling forever. And that's also probably not true. Yeah. And so really at, at the core of all of this, as a manager, you've got people almost always for a brief period of time. Mm -hmm. And among a few things, your job is to help those people grow. Yes. And, and I think it's super important to ask yourself the question, grow into what? And then we have to be okay with answers that take us outside the current company. Right. We, outside the current role. And it's still your job to help that person grow into that thing. 
Yes. Right. So I think that one of the one of the mistakes, one of the most common mistakes that people make, is when somebody is trying to leave the team. When somebody gets another opportunity, and and it's tempting for a manager to go into retention mode, to try to retain the employee at all costs, even when it's not in that employee's best interest to stay. I'll never forget the time that. Ben Silberman came to me and said he was thinking of leaving the AdSense team. And when he described to me what he wanted to do, I realized it would be ridiculous to try to get him to stay. He couldn't start Pinterest on the AdSense team. He had to leave and and go do it. He couldn't. I hope our listeners can hear this. Oh, <laughs> Ross has unzipped his his sweatshirt and he's got a pink. Pinterest t-shirt on. Yeah. It's fabulous. Yeah. We'd even plan that. That's amazing. (laughs) Um, Yeah. I think that it's not about making the objective retention, but what I have found is if you invest in your people in a unique way like this to really enable their growth toward their dreams and treating them like real people, what I have found is that does tend to have a retention benefit. It's not the objective, but people say to themselves, because people have this awareness, like grass isn't always greener. And if I'm in a situation where I have a manager who's willing to invest in me in a really unique way, willing to treat me like a human being, talk to me like an adult, you know, all those things, they tend to say, yeah, it's a pretty good spot right now. I think I'm going to I think I'm going to hang out and stay with this manager because this manager has my back. Or they leave, but you wind up with a relationship that lasts a lifetime and winds up being good for the team and the business. Yeah. I think there's this very, I think at this point, almost cliched quote that I think really sums this up. And I, and I, I want to bring it into the podcast, which is this idea that the CFO asked the CEO, what happens if we invest in developing our people and then they leave us? Right. And the CEO responds with, what happens if we don't and they stay? A disaster. You're filled with people who who are not going anywhere. Yeah. By the way, that quote always just it makes CFOs seem like nothing more than bean counters. I know. It? And most CFOs I know are very broad minded, lovely people. So. so it's a little unfair, but you get the point. So to summarize, we believe it is your obligation as a leader to invest in your people, to put that relationship at the core of your job regardless of where you think they'll be in the future. You've got to remind yourself that each person working with you, working for you, is a human being just like you, not just a resource that you're trying to squeeze the last bit of good out of, but a human being that you're trying to form a real relationship with. And as a leader, you're there to serve each of them, which also serves the company. Coming up. We've got some awesome tips for you to apply to your own life. But first, a word from our sponsor. And now it's time for the candor checklist. Most people don't consciously think, I'm not going to give a damn about the people that I work with. But it happens. And we've talked about some of the reasons that it does. Even if you don't think you're doing this, these tips can be a great way to ensure that you treat people like people. So even if you don't think that you're failing to show people that they're human beings, you may be. Tip number one, read the people, not the room. Yeah, you hate, you hate that read the room oh, idea, don't you? God, I, hate, I mean, walls are telling you nothing. It's the people in the room. The table is not going to tell you anything. You've got to connect with each person as an individual and, and try to truly listen and understand their perspective. Listen with the intent to understand, not to reply. When I hear a phrase like read the room, 
what I hear is, you know, there's this there's this idea of this person who thinks they're I, I can read a room. And the reality is you're guessing. Right. You're guessing at what you think is happening with with different people in the room. You don't you don't you have no idea. And, I, and one of the things we try to say, and we say this a lot in the podcast, is stop guessing. Right. This idea of understanding other people's perspectives, understanding where they are in that moment and truly trying to understand that. That's the thing to do to really connect with that person in an authentic way. Exactly. If you see body language that looks like somebody's mad or you see somebody scowling, ask them. Say you're scowling. Are you am I, have I made you mad? Nine times out of ten, they'll confess that that's just their resting state of their face or whatever. So you're misinterpreting if you don't ask. Yeah. Awesome. Tip number two, start meetings by telling a funny story from the weekend. This is a fun practice we've done together historically. I haven't always done it, but when I've done it, it's been pretty good. And the idea is that it's a simple way to create a little space at the beginning of a meeting for people to share something about who they are and what's going on with their lives. It can help kind of set things up to be a little more relaxed. Um, also, by the way, sometimes, I don't know about you, Kim, but a lot of my meetings tend to start late. Yes. And you spend five minutes, you know, fiddling with this, fiddling with that, waiting for someone to come in. This could be a good way to kick things off. I mean, everybody doesn't get to participate, but it's a high quality way to fill in those first few minutes while you're getting everything set up for a Yeah, meeting. way better than having everybody check their email. Tip number three, be available. It's really important for a leader to make sure that people feel they can approach them. You don't want it to seem like people can't get a moment on your calendar. One of the most interesting conversations I ever had with Dick Costello was he said, often people say they are afraid to come talk to me because I look stressed and busy. And so he made a real conscious effort to walk around every so often in a relaxed way. Even if he didn't feel relaxed, he'd walk around smiling, chatting with people. And he heard a lot of interesting things in those walk-arounds. Yeah, he'd, he'd sort of do the old, you know, like that with his hand, and he'd say, what's happening? <laughs> you know, he's going all out to make it really clear he wanted to be approached. And I, I think, you know, under all of these, you know, this idea of be available, under all of these is authenticity. Yes. Right? You know, funny story from the weekend, that may not be your bag. And maybe, or someone in the meeting, it may not be their bag. They may not care to share a funny story from the weekend. They may sadly have nothing funny that happened. Maybe they had a really crappy weekend. That right? happens sometimes. Yeah. And be available. Look, if you're not really available because you got 700 things going on in your head and you're mentally not there, don't do that. Wait till you can truly be available. So underneath all of these things, I just I want to just highlight that we're not talking about doing stuff that's in any way unnatural. Right. You've got to do stuff that is authentic and find the things that are authentic to you, that allow you or enable you to show that you see these people as real people. Absolutely. So to summarize, tip number one, read the people, not the room. Tip number two, start meetings by telling a funny story from the weekend. Tip number three, be available and approachable. As always, if you want to reference these tips again, visit RadicalCandor.com slash podcast to see the show notes. And we've got a fun new thing we're trying out this week to help you with these tips and other questions you might have. This Friday, June 2nd, at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, we'll be doing a Facebook Live event on the Candor Facebook page. We'll be talking about this episode, the tips, answering your questions, so please tune in. Again, that's this Friday, June 2nd, at noon Pacific on the Candor Facebook page. We can't wait to hear from you. 
And that's it for this episode of Radical Candor. Our producers are Kristen Meinzer and Jennifer Lai. Thanks also to Andy Bowers at Panoply and to the great Elise Lockhart at Candor, Inc. Our theme song is written and performed by Cliff Goldmacher. Please let us know what you think of the show. Share your challenges and stories with us. You'll find us on Twitter at Candor. Our email address is podcast at radicalcandor.com. And our website is, of course, radicalcandor.com. If you don't already know, our company is Candor, Inc. And we're building an app called The Candor Coach to help you with all these ideas. Download it from the App Store now. And of course, I wrote the book on Radical Candor, which you can also, I wrote it, which you can pick up wherever you buy books. I with a hundred collaborators. I got a lot of Radical Candor on Radical Candor. If you like the show, please help us spread the word and make sure to subscribe to us in Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast app so that you automatically get each new episode. Please also leave us a rating or comment wherever you subscribe. It helps other people discover our show and lets us know how to improve. Radical Candor is part of the Onward Project, which also includes Side Hustle School, Happier with Gretchen Rubin, and Happier in Hollywood with Gretchen Rubin's sister. A brand new show that I'm listening to and loving about two longtime writing partners, Liz Kraft and Sarah Fain, who live in L.A. and talk about how to be happier, healthier, and saner in one of the most superficial, backbiting places ever. In a recent episode of Happier, Russ, you're going to love this, Liz and Sarah talk about why it's actually a good idea to drop the F-bomb in an interview. Really? <laughs> really? It is. You'll have to listen to Happier in Hollywood to find out more. I'm Kim Scott. And I'm Russ Laraway. We'll talk to you next time. Thanks for listening.